welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 93. We'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for November 18th, 2018. The lesson title is Quiet. It is the seventh of the series Inside Out, which is taking us through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. When you find God in your heart, every moment is a miracle. So our scripture today... Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Now, this is a big deal. It's such a big deal that Jesus actually says it three times. He says it three times to drive the point home. Jesus says it three times to drive the point home. Obviously, there's something important there. And in fact, as with so much of what we're reading, there's a revolutionary idea sleeping in something that seems very, very straightforward. The idea that something starts small, a secret, and then becomes something that gets bigger is kind of a revolutionary idea. The people that Jesus were talking to were expecting a big thing, a Cecil B. DeMille level industrial light and magic kind of big explosion battlefield victory thing. And Jesus is saying, start small. Start with a secret. And that's a big idea then, and it's a big idea now. We live in a culture that says bigger is better. In fact, bigger is automatically better. Think about the commercials that you see. We're getting ready for Christmas buying stuff season. I think that's the technical term for it. And how many commercials? It's like the thing you bought last time, but now it's a little bit bigger. Therefore, better. Everything. When you win the lottery, what are you going to do? I'm going to get a bigger version of the stuff I already have. Bigger means better, right? And so, so often, the goal then and the goal now is make it just a little bit larger and somehow it'll just be better automatically, right? Well, ask yourself what you really want. We'll come back to that in a minute. But just for a second, think about what you're praying about. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What's the reward you're working on? What is it that you're working on in your relationship with God? This is a great question to ask in your relationship with other people. What's the goal here? In your relationship with your job, in your relationship with anything. But in this moment, ask yourself, what is the point of my spirituality? Not that you're trying to get something out of it at the end. It doesn't work that way. But why am I doing it? This is an important thing to think about. And it's important to think about in the, t- in the context of the bigger is better thing because when we look at what Jesus was talking about, something really interesting. He doesn't actually seem to care how big the miracle is. I mean, think about it. Think about what you know about the story. There's big stuff that happens. Easter morning happens. Lazarus happens. Feeding the multitudes is a big deal, and nobody even argued over the check. It was a big deal. She got the joke. That's good. Um, It was a big deal, but Jesus didn't seem to care if it was a great big thing or if it was just pulling the coin from the fish's mouth or just the fig tree or just a little, little thing. At no point, I'll say it this way, at no point did Jesus, when walking on the water, go, guys, check this out, right? Am I right? The water? Not really his style. But there's something important when we realize that every single moment in Scripture is a teaching moment. And it is absolutely educational, instructive, that it didn't matter to him if it was a great big splashy thing or a little bitty 
moment because part of the message overall is it's all God happening. When you realize that every moment is a miracle, it's okay that every moment is a miracle. You go, wow, the sunrise is beautiful, but yeah, you know, the sun kind of comes up. It, it happens. I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm going to love it, and I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to treat it like it's other than life. Miracles happen when we recognize that that is the normal state of things. This is important. After all, I mean, what defines a miracle for you? What defines a miracle? Think about it. Because for some people, the idea is it's only miraculous when it's giant. It's only miraculous when it's so big I can't argue with it. When something explodes, it's, that's when the miracle happens. But just as for Jesus, what if a miracle isn't defined by the size? What if a miracle is defined by the connection? Because after all, a miracle isn't the big thing. A miracle is when, here's the definition, you ready? A miracle is when I open up a little bit and let God happen a little bit. That's a miracle. Big or small, and you've had moments in your life where you go, you tell people, I can't even believe it happened. It was so huge. But you also tell people, wow, I just sort of fell in love. The thing worked out. I got the promotion. Uh, I, got the, I got here without it hitting any red lights. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. The miracle has nothing to do with the size. It has to do with the fact that I opened up a little bit and let God happen a little bit. So ask yourself, what's it going to take for me to let God happen? Where can me and God come to a point of agreement? And this is a big deal. Because there are so many people who are waiting for the giant thing before they are nice. You've heard it. You've heard somebody say, once I meet the right person, then I will be loving. Does that ever work? Once I win the lottery, then I will be generous. Once I am around nice people, then I will be nice. Good luck with that. Does it ever work that way? If you want to fall in love, start by being loving. If you want to prosper, start by priming the pump. Be a giving person in one way or another. If you want to have friends, be nice first. Nobody's going to want to be friends with you if you're holding all your niceness in for a rainy day. Everything works that way. There are some people who in the course of their life say, I'm waiting for the big ripples before I toss a pebble in. Don't work that way. So what's your moment? What's the pebble that you can throw in? What's the secret that you and God can share? Because it starts on the inside, not on the outside. Okay, I'm going to apologize right here because I have to geek out for just a minute. And I'm sorry, but I'm not really all that sorry. If you know me, you know that it doesn't take long before I start talking about Star Wars. I can't help it. It is, for me, the way that Lord of the Rings is for other people in this room. It's one of those things. Can't help it. I think part of it is that the very first movie I ever saw in the theater was that first Star Wars movie. Episode 4, I know, George Lucas and all that. But it starts with Episode 4, remember? The 70s. Some of you weren't here, but just stick with me. Remember the 70s? That, that movie came out. It was called A New Hope. And I don't know, maybe my parents thought I was finally old enough that I would behave in the movie theater. I don't know. 
But we decided to go see a movie, and I didn't even know what a movie was. This is a good place to start. And, you know, it had in it all of this stuff that a little kid's supposed to like. It had the explosions and the spaceships and the laser beams and the aliens and the, you know, all of that stuff. It's a great movie. It changed a lot of things for how we tell stories. Awesome. But even at that moment as a little kid, something spiritual happened for me. Now, maybe it was because I was conditioned. I'm a preacher's kid. We were there in Iowa. There wasn't much else going on other than church. My parents had a little church in Iowa, and I was part of that. And the only time... I was ever in a room full of seats with something going on at the front was in church. So maybe in a way I was programmed to expect something spiritual, some kind of God, something going on. But I remember it. I remember it blew, blew my mind. See, if you remember, most of us have seen that movie. Remember what it was like when the movie starts and it's in the desert And before too long, there's this guy with a beard and a robe. Wait a minute, I've been here before. Starts to sound really familiar. And the guy with the beard and the robe says, you know what, let's not judge by appearances. We're all part of something. There's this force that connects all of us. And you're not this outer shell. You're a luminous being, and there's more to you, and there's good in you. And you're not who you think you are because your father is bigger than you think. Wait a minute, I've heard all this before. The guy with the robe and the beard. Wait a minute. And I remember being blown away by the recognition and the connection. I remember being blown away by the whole thing. So much so that, that Obi-Wan Kenobi is still my favorite. I know you're supposed to like Han Solo or Luke or whoever, but for me it's always been me and Obi-Wan. There's a connection there. It's kind of a big deal. But I think it was kind of a big deal for George Lucas, the guy that made the movie, because no one in that movie was an actor who had ever been in anything because they didn't have any money. Except Obi-Wan Kenobi. Alec Guinness had been in uh, Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge Over the River Kwai. He was the only one who actually acted. So it must have been important to him, too. Now, remember that they made that movie in the desert because they didn't have any money. And they said, you don't have to build a big space city or whatever. They just did it in the desert. And so the people in the movie dressed like you dress in the desert. In fact, the clothes were very much like Lawrence of Arabia outfits because that's how you dress when you live in the desert. But they also invented something very special when they came up with that movie. They invented the concept of merchandising. And all of a sudden, it became very important to have an outfit to sell along with everything else. And so you dress like that because you're in the desert, and the Jedi Knights, the special spiritual super guys, dress that way. And I think if you had an orthodontist on that planet, they would dress like that. It's just the way that they dress because it's the desert. But all of a sudden, it became about this is the outfit for special people. And so those same people, if you're special, you wear your Jedi robes in the desert, but in the ice when you're swimming. Come on, if you're spiritually wise, maybe you dip into a pair of trunks before you go swimming. I'm just saying. But all of a sudden, it became about the outfit. And something got lost in translation. Now, here's why I'm telling you that. If Jesus showed up right now, 21st century America. If Jesus showed up right now, do you think he'd show up wearing the Palestinian equivalent of Jedi robes? Would he wear the whole thing with the sandals and the outfit? No, everybody dressed like that then. Nothing magic about the clothes. That's the point. In fact, let me say that a different way. If I was to tell you that the only way to be spiritual is to buy this outfit... Ooh, you'd know I was selling something. 
No, no, no. The only way to feel like you walk on holy ground is to buy these special sandals. They're called Jerusalem cruisers. And if we wear those, ask for them by name. If you wear those, you get to be spiritual. We know better, right? Because it's not about the clothes. That's an angle. That's a, that's a, that's a con. It's not about the clothes. So let's go one step further. If I were to say to you, you know what? I'd really like to learn about the Catholic Church. And so what I need to do first is buy a Pope outfit. That would be really disrespectful, right? And really inappropriate and really missing the point. They probably wouldn't even let you in, right? If I wanted to learn about Native American traditions, the wrong thing to do is dress like an extra from a Roy Rogers movie. That's not okay. In fact, it's kind of offensive, right? And I say that. Because there's very well-meaning people who sometimes decide that in order to be spiritual, i got to put on the outfit when there's something deeper. If I have to put on your outfit, what I'm kind of saying is, I think this is all there is to you is the shoes and the clothes, right? Is there more to you? Is there more to you than what goes on on the outside? And now you see why we are where we are. There is more to you than what goes on on the outside. Spirituality is not an outfit that you put on. Jesus talked about washing the outside of the cup. And the point is, let's stick to what's important. I don't care if it's a little bit messy on the outside. Is it drinkable? Can you wash the inside? Why do people dress the way they dress in India? Because that's the way they dress in India. This is the way they dress in the Holy Land. This is the way they dress in New York City. It's just because it's the climate. It's the culture. It's the thing. There's nothing magic about it. You can't make it cold by putting on a coat. What if life is lived the other way around? What if your father who sees in secret rewards you openly? Like I said, that's such a big deal that Jesus says it three times. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Guys, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is a big deal. The first couple of times he says it, he says, everybody, stop worrying about how spiritual people think you are. Stop worrying about how spiritual you look. Because there are people back then, and there are people now, bless their hearts, who say, you know what, it only counts if everybody knows how spiritually awesome I have. I am, rather. Have is for the next step. It only matters if people can see me on the mountaintop praying out loud. And when I give to charity, I want people to know how big the check is. In fact, I'm only going to get those novelty giant checks that Ed McMahon used to give out. Because then people will know I am really spiritual. Jesus says, don't do that. Your father who sees in secret. And in fact, he says, everybody who does that, they have already got their reward in full. I like that. Everybody who does that has already got their reward in full. And then he says it again, but he says it on the other end of the spectrum. He says, there are some people that want everybody to know how miserable they can make themselves. And they fast and they hurt themselves and they go out of their way to, to just show everybody, look how miserable I am. Isn't that awesome? No. But you know people who think that spirituality and misery are the same thing. Jesus said, don't be like them. Because, and here's the thing, they have gotten their reward in full already. 
In other words, if all you want is to, is to have other people think a certain thing about you, to see something about you, you put on the outfit, you put on the Halloween costume, you've gotten your reward because you've short-circuited the process and that's all you're going to get out of it. You've gotten your reward in full. This is all a very fancy way of saying, okay, here we go. This is the thing. You ready? If God is everywhere... Right, we're going to do this math. This is like 101 table stakes level stuff. If God is everywhere, if there is only right now for God, think about that with me. There's only right now for God. The concept of future and past and present, we made that up in order to try to wrap our ears around our existence. But for God, there's just right now. So that means no more waiting for God like I'm waiting for a bus. God is already now. In God, there is only now. If God is now, then it means that right now I am getting the reward for my state of consciousness, the way that I feel and the way that I think. I am already experiencing that. So no more of this, if I keep doing this thing I'm doing for long enough, God will change his mind about me or God will show up. It doesn't work that way. God already loves you. You are already loved. So no more of this. If I keep behaving this way, then something will click. You are right now getting the reward in the outer for your inner state. So if you want a different experience right now, change your state. Change the way you think about things. Change the way you feel about things. The Bible says, be renewed, be transformed rather by a renewing of your mind. Be transformed by a renewing of your mind. Find a way to change your mind in some little way about something that's going on. Because if you're celebrating the big misery or the big awesome advertising pitch for how great you are, that's the only reward you're ever going to get. And this is a big deal because Thanksgiving is coming. And it may well be that you will share a table with someone I, recall, I, I call a Thanksgiving martyr. It's a very religious and spiritual role, the Thanksgiving martyr. You may well have somebody. If you don't, bless your heart. But a lot of people do have that person in their family. And their affirmation is this. This is the thanks that I get. Okay, well, the piano happens right then. That's perfect. That was actually quite good. This is the thanks that I get. And the music swells and everyone cries. This is the thanks I get for the suffering and how I have labored. And this is the thanks I get for this bad thing. This is the thanks that I get. And you know what the answer is? I guess so. We're good. You did the thing and this is how I act. Because here's the thing. If you've got to guilt me into acting a different way, do you want that? Or is that weird? If you've got to pressure me into a different level of thanksgiving, then is it genuine or is that weird? Life doesn't work that way. I'm not a, a Black Friday guy. It's not really my thing, but I have no judgment about it. Some people like doing the Black Friday shopping because for them it's fun. It's like a sporting event. It's like rabbit season, I guess. I don't know how they do that. For some people, that's the thing. They put on their Elmer Fudd hat and they go to the mall, whatever. I'm not judging that. If that's fun for you, great. And for some people, it's an economic thing. They're trying to stretch their dollar and all that. I'm not judging that. Do Black Friday if you want to do Black Friday. Not my thing, but if you want to do it, that's fine. But please watch how you do it, just like everything. It's not what you do as much as how you do the thing. It's the consciousness that you have. Because there are some people who do it because it's fun or because they're trying to be economical and all that. That's great. But there are other people who do it because they think that suffering proves love. I must really love you because I lost a thumb buying you a bike. 
No more hitchhiking for me. Or whatever it is. Somehow, there are those people, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, who think that, that that's the transaction. If I trade su- suffering, I get love back. Suffering equals love. Suffering equals love. And if I can suffer really big, then the love must be really big. I want you to know that you only get out what you put in. If you put in suffering, you are only ever going to get more suffering. And let's break that down. If I teach you that my relationship with you is I suffer and that's how I love, you are subconsciously going to create more situations for me to suffer because that's the only way I know how to love you. And that is the beginning of counseling. It's true. Bless your heart. You only get what you put in. If you put in suffering, no matter how noble you think it makes you look, you can Sir Galahad your way right into a really miserable situation if you want to. The only thing that begets love is love. So do the Black Friday thing if you want, but do it because it's fun. Do it because you love it. Do it because you love the person, not because you really want to show some battle scars because that proves something. It doesn't prove anything other than you like to take a beating, and no one needs that proof. Do the thing because you love And let's get to the place where that's the basis of a different relationship with other people. And let's do a thing because that's the basis of a different relationship with God. There are so many people that think, you know what, if I can just prove to God that I have clobbered myself sufficiently, God will start loving me. You've heard that before. Think about that with me. The Bible says, it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus compares God with a loving parent over and over again. Your father knows what you ask before you ask it. Over and over again. What part of that, I came that you might have joy and have it more abundantly. What part of that makes us think that we need to beat ourselves up in order to be happy? What part of that? I can imagine Jesus showing up and going, guys, what what are you doing? What with the guilt? This is the thanks that I get. I mean, really. Let us stop trying to earn our relationship with God through the power of misery because it only begets more misery. What if we just love? What if it's simpler than that? What if we just love? It's easy to have a spiritual hero. For me, it's Jesus, but I'm not going to be picky about that. For different people, it's different Heroes, you have a spiritual hero, somebody that means something to you. It's easy to go, in order to emulate them, to have the what would Jesus do moment, I should get the outfit. Usually, we don't see a lot of people dress like Jesus. It doesn't happen much because they tend to take them away. But that's because Jesus is pretty commonly accepted. It's sort of westernized kind of a thing. But you do see people who go, in order to be spiritual, I need to put on my shaman action playset. Or my Buddha action playset, where it's the outfit, and I got the special beads, so I must be cool. Now, there's nothing wrong with the beads, but they can't make you be something you're not. What if spirituality isn't something we put on? The thing is, if I were to say to Jesus, what would Jesus do? Jesus would probably say, you know what, that's very nice, but you're not me. The question is, what would the illumined version of you do? Not what would Jesus do as much as what would you do if you knew you were a child of God? What would you do if you really were in touch with the love in your heart? What would you do? You don't happen to live in the Holy Land in year one. What would you do in 21st century Pinellas County? What would you do if you knew who you were? If you want to emulate your spiritual heroes, it's not about the outer things. You don't need to speak Aramaic. 
They spoke it then because that's what they spoke then. What do you speak? Let your language be love. If you want to emulate something, emulate sincerity. Emulate devotion. But carry it into the place where you live. And the miracle can begin. It's not a great big thing. It's little moments. Good is little moments. Miracles are little moments. God happens in the little moments, in the atoms and molecules and moments of your life. God happens in those little things. And I know we, we see the big things and we want the Red Seas to part and the hungry to be fed and all that. I get that. And you know what? That's on the menu. But is that really what you're praying for day to day? I talk to a lot of people and I work with a lot of people on this step and we pray together and we talk about this. And I got to tell you, most of the time what people want isn't the big explosion thing. Most of the time what people want is, I just want to be loved I just want to feel better about how I look. I just want a little bit of health. I want this thing to be healed. I just want to have a job that doesn't make me feel bad. You know, whatever it is, it's usually just that little miracle. Let's not have all of that pressure to have the big explosion all the time. Because I got to tell you, it's easy to read the wrong book or to read the right book the wrong way and decide that it only counts. It's only God if it's giant. And so you read the affirmations, and the affirmation says, I am the richest man in the world. Everyone thinks I'm good-looking. You know, whatever the affirmation is, and you can Napoleon Hill yourself right to death. The idea of these giant things. But the thing is, the miracle starts with the secret in your heart. So if you say these giant words, but there's this thing in your heart that goes, ah, come on. Your prayer is not the big words. Your prayer is... If it feels like a lie in your heart, you're only moving yourself further away from your experience of the divine. So, start small. The miracle is the secret between you and God. So can you keep a secret? What's that little moment? What's grounding for you? What's true for you? Take whatever it is. For me, it's this place and you, this family. It's little moments. It's when you, the parking space works out. It's, it's when the thing happens when I walk into the coffee shop and they know, it's my, it, they know it's me and they got my drink ready. Miracle. With a name like mine, it's easy to get wrong. There's something beautiful about that. Just about every morning, Jenny and I sit on our back porch and it's not a big deal, but we watch the sun come up and I make us some coffee and it's basically the best thing in the world. It's not huge. We're not sitting in a Maserati. It doesn't matter. Find a small thing. Find a secret moment. Find something that grounds you and be grounded by it. Find something where you and God can keep a secret. Because as it turns out, the secret of the universe is not me getting my way. The secret of the universe is not me imposing my ego on the world. The secret of the universe is me making room for God. It's not about getting my way. It's about getting out of God's way. So what can you and the Father agree on? Because God already loves you. Find a little secret, a little moment. You have all the love it takes to change everything, but start with the love you got. You have all the life it takes to defy a doctor's prescription, but start with the life you got. You have everything it takes to prosper and to bless and to heal and set free. Start where you start. Keep a secret, because freedom is a choice. Thank you very much.
This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.